In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast. Scott Smith, Chris Cato, returning after a week away. And, of course, we come into this this week's episode uh, with heavy hearts uh, going out to the communities, especially those affected mostly by Hurricane Ian just south of us here. Uh, and if you would like to get involved and feel like it's on your heart to contribute and help in any way, the Florida Disaster Fund is the state's official fund, uh, and you can visit it at volunteerflorida.org. Or Chris, we still march on, and we have a fun show planned here today. Yeah, we do. I, I want to say one thing about volunteerflorida.org, yeah. too. You can also not only donate money, you can also volunteer for various relief things that are going to be ongoing for weeks there. Okay, so financial and physical yeah. involvement. Very yeah. good. Yeah. All right, let's uh, head into the broom closet. Producer Brian King joins us now. And uh, BK, let's give the uh, the Nod Potters the Nod Poddodians, the <laughs> Nodpodites, a look at the rundown here today. What do we got? Got a pretty good show, I think. We got uh, Phil Esposito. You know, this is the 30th anniversary. Hard to believe. 30 years. The 30 Lightning's years. been around. Uh, he'll join us, and uh, it's, you guys going to have a tough time pulling stories out of him because he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, right. If you know Phil, he doesn't talk too much. Kind of shy, yeah. And then uh, got a Hall of Fame at the uh, end of the block, a unique Hall of Fame that's come up that hmm. uh, get your thoughts on. A so, unique Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, like a different sport. Uh, could be, a, yeah, not necessarily a sport, but you know, there's a Hall of Fame for just about everything. Is this there, Hall of Fame, yeah. Is it a podcast Hall of Fame? Are we nominated already? <laughs> wow. I think you got to get through at least four episodes. Yeah, we got to. Or have more than four subscribers. <laughs> right. What, a, what an honor. I can't wait to find out what this mystery Hall of Fame yes, is. Yes, it's a All mystery. Right. Well, <laughs> if you want to put us in the, the, the podcasting Hall of Fame, here's how you can at least subscribe if you are watching uh, to today's show. You go to fox13news.com slash nodpod if you're watching and you want to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, all the ways that you can get the podcast on audio form. And uh, if you want to just point your camera at the the TV scene, if you're watching right now, you can point at the little QR code on the screen and that'll take you inside the magical portal, the, yeah. the wardrobe to a Narnia-like existence there on the interwebs where you can learn <laughs> all about the Nod Pod. So, all right, Chris, we come into this show, and, uh, of course, the topic du jour is uh, a big landmark home run last night by one Aaron Judge reaching 62. He, finally. Passing yeah. Roger Maris. Thank he is goodness there. he's no longer going to be interrupting my college football games with his no more home run chase. Yeah. No, it's uh, great. Glad he got it out of the way. He's an incredible player having an incredibly historic season. Um I got a little tired of the chase. I think there wasn't as much interest in it as Major League Baseball would like there to have been, you know, outside of Yankees fans. And part of that, I think, is Major League's base, base MLB's fault in a way that made this record um, almost irrelevant in a way because how so? Well, you have at the top if you look at the MLB record book, and there's no sport that defines itself more on its history and stats and. Sure. records than baseball but if you look in the mlb book you still see barry bond 73 McGuire yeah, I, 70 I, I i just wish that mlb had been more proactive back in the day and and you know like the olympic committees and banning certain substances or proactively you know taking these guys off the book well we can't go back in in, in the way back machine and change things uh but uh, you know this is obviously a uh, an American League record, not a Major League record. Barry Bonds still holds that, however big that asterisk might be. Uh, so there are folks ahead of him, but I think in uh, with 
with the imp- the implementation that Major League Baseball has made in terms of trying to clean the game up from substances, uh, I think that this is a this is a, a moment to celebrate. Okay, we someone will celebrate. that has done it uh, clean, and and it someone will be celebrating uh, especially hard. Yeah, an individual in Arlington, Texas, that caught that sixty second home run ball he was immediately escorted out of the building they're saying that this thing could fetch up to two million dollars that may may, may be the starting point i think he's already got an offer from a from a company for two two, for two million two million on the table yeah did you see how tightly he was clutching that he wouldn't even let the camera see it it was like it was like me when i used to live in philadelphia and hold my wallet on the l train (laughs) like you you know no one needs to see that and and get out of there but that was uh incredible and I, i you know i wonder i mean he obviously went to the game bought a ticket in that area for that for that reason you got to think so what a great investment i think you hold on to it for for a little bit let the asking price not until go next up. season though in case judge has an even or someone else has an even better season yeah i think it's still a seller's market i don't know how quickly you got to get rid of it but i i don't take the first offer on the table oh no the guy that had mcguire's 70th home run ball he could have sold it at the time for two hundred fifty thousand, which was a lot in 1998 held on to it for a few years and Wow, I think he fetched like 2500 for it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a different time, as you <laughs> already appropriately mentioned. Speaking of uh, great falls from great heights to maybe suffer some type of uh, head injury, in the NFL, the talk right now is the concussions that have picked up because of what has happened to Tua Tungabailoa in concussion protocol as we speak. Uh, within the span of four days, suffers what appeared initially on that last Sunday against the Bills to be a head injury as he tries to get up. Uh, he falls and kind of loses his balance, yeah. a little mobility, you know, mechanical issue there. Uh, but they had cleared him at the time, said this was not a concussion issue, and he got it back out on the field four days later where he really got whipped around like a rag doll. Scary. And and now the scrutiny begins. Yeah. Does it, something need to change? Chris? Well, the scrutiny is necessary. It's the last thing the NFL wants people talking about, right? When you look at the last few years, the attention that CTE and concussions sure. have gotten. And, and the NFL has done things to try to eliminate some of that. Um, I think now the scrutiny needs to go to, uh, and obviously they did fire the independent Miami neurologist that right. looked at Tua after that first game and said, okay, he's okay. Uh, you know, part, of it is, part of it is the fact that you're dealing with players who are ultra motivated to stay in the game. They're so competitive. Maybe they're worried about losing their job to the backup if they, if they don't play. And I've heard players in the aftermath of what happened to Tua say that there are certain ways you can kind of fool the concussion protocol if you want to get around it and that sort of thing. So I think the awareness needs to be on taking um, more of this out of the players' hands and just saying, okay, maybe we don't know if he has a concussion right now. I'm talking about the Miami game, uh, the Buffalo game. We don't know if that was a concussion. It looked like he fell and hit the back of his head. But clearly when he got up, he could not – Walk. And so, so there needs to be emphasis, I think, and the term I've used is heard is gross motor function, a, a gross motor instability. I've seen you do some gross motor. <laughs> there are a lot of gross things about me. <laughs> um, but I think that's where this needs to go is it has to go beyond a test of, uh, OK, their their brain function following like you have to look at other things. You know, Miami should not, even if he did, I think, pass the protocol. There's no need to put him back in that game. So not only did he pass the the test that they 
had him undergo at halftime of that Bills game. But then he tested Monday, Tuesday, and yeah. Wednesday of that week. So you can fire the, the, the neuro consultant or whoever this independent person is, and who knows if he actually did anything wrong. I know that the NFL, again, is reacting based on the optics, and the optics, of course, look horrible. Uh, but I don't know if there's something else that they can do. They have somebody that, that watches the game that has the ability to stop play if he sees something like that. Can you go back and say, should he have stopped play then? Sure, but at the same time, you have to understand that like there were still four days where he, cle- where he cleared right. all concussion testing between then and Thursday Night Football. Mike McDaniel says that he did not have a concussion. He had... They went that, over twelve-word play calls. There was no yeah, sign. He, he he saw no signs. Plus, there was someone that is an expert in the field that said there was nothing. So, you know, Joe Burrow had comments today where he said, you know, it just kind of comes with the game. Yeah. Concussions are part of the game. It is not something that we want to. We don't embrace that. But taking the violence out of the sport uh, is impossible. Is not. It's not possible. Yeah. Despite all the technology that has made yeah. the sport better and the padding and, and it has lessened the impact, it still is there. Yeah. I just hope there's not an overreaction now. And every time there's a hit or a play and they stop the game to, to you know, look at it. Yeah. Um, you know, we see that sometimes. So we'll see where it goes from here. In college football, Georgia. Oh, last couple of weeks, yeah. maybe a little rattled. Kent State. Did Kent State find some weaknesses in the soft underbelly of the Bulldogs? The right go, with the golden flash, it moved, <laughs> moved the ball really well. You know, I love and I hate the fact here we have five games. College football season is almost halfway over, which is crazy. Yeah. It's my favorite time of year. But we get a good sample size now. We can tell who these teams are. And, okay, Georgia has looked vulnerable in their last – they took care of business against Kent State. Almost lost. Could have, should have lost to Missouri, though. Yep. But I still think uh, – that they're going to be fine and you so you got ohio state which is a lot of people believe the number one team in the country and they've dominated pretty much everyone except for that first half against notre dame and then alabama you know had a scare against texas trying to find some receivers but really good defense so you got four or five teams i think that are who we thought they are clemson looks great again by the way dj uyunglele playing really well now dj uyunglele there it is playing really well and then you've got some great stories right so i love it i look across the country you've got ucla at five and oh like the fighting chip kelly's yeah their quarterback into relevance their quarterback's been there 16 years and has really gotten into the about time he's come around Uh, you got kansas undefeated tc as as we tape the show undefeated they're going to play on saturday um so i what here's my takeaway from this college football season so far you got some big powers who are still powerful but you have more parity than ever i believe because of the transfer portal you got a bunch of teams that have Ole miss has 22 transfers on the roster they're undefeated and you've got uh teams that are you know in smaller conferences that have they, the players use their sixth year, their COVID year of eligibility. So you got some veteran rosters out there, and that's why you're seeing these upsets like Middle Tennessee beating Miami, like Marshall beating Notre Dame. It's there's a there's a lot of parity out there this season. It's made it interesting. Well, I, I don't know that I'd go as far as to say there's more parity. I mean, you still have 15 teams, that, something like that, 14, 15 teams that are still undefeated. The the Bamas, the Ohio States, the Georgias are still unbeaten. I, I'm not as uh, bullish on the future of the Bulldogs because. Injury is something that is real with this team. And then, like, the turnover issue these last couple of weeks has been a problem. So, I don't know. Once they get into the meat of SEC play, playing against more quality opponents than Missouri, 
perhaps perhaps there's an issue there. Yeah, Tennessee's going to be tough. I'm still. I mean, I, I think yeah. I think Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. These are these are the true blue bloods, and these are the teams that uh, you know. As we get into the real meat of conference play, I think we'll see just how much better they are than everybody else. Uh, but how about some of the disappointments of college football? Texas A&M three and two with a loss to App State, Michigan State. Uh, they have three losses already on their on their uh, their their schedule. Oklahoma yeah. got a couple of losses. Their defense is awful, yeah. by the way. Two Big Twelve losses. Too. Miami two and two with a loss to Middle Tennessee. Notre Dame two and two with a loss to Marshall. Uh, I mean, and of those programs that I mentioned that have had disappointing starts, you got Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker that are making ninety five million dollars guaranteed. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Baby. Oh. Yeah. Life is good if you sign that contract and then you just fade into obscurity. And then you got, got guys like Lance Leipold at Kansas, you know, doing it for a couple mil that are just making these guys look bad. Look, it's um, okay. All can be fixed with winning, right? So if I don't look for it to happen, but if A&M beats Bama again on Saturday, people will forgive and move on. But clearly they've got some quarterback issues he needs to figure out at Texas A&M and Defense has been good, but just a lack of weapons. They've lost their best receiver for the season. I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll find out uh, how rich those Texas A&M boosters are if this thing goes south with Jimbo. $90 million might be nothing to them. Hey, what do you say we talk a little hockey? We have a Hockey Hall of Famer with us. Very privileged to welcome in uh, the founder of the Lightning. He is, of course, part of the Lightning Radio and uh it's Phil Esposito, a man who really needs no introduction, but thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank Phil. you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here Thanks with you Thanks for guys. being here in the flesh, too. Well, yeah. I don't live up the street, boys. I'm not far away from <laughs> right. you guys. And exactly. It's better than sitting there with the stupid pictures on <laughs> Oh, you're telling yeah. Technology can get the best of us sometimes. Yeah, you got uh, that right. So we are back. I mean, the hockey season is here. <clears throat> Next week it kicks off in earnest. Uh, I know that for the players – especially for the Lightning, given the last couple of years and these deep runs into the Cup Finals, uh, that the, the offseason has not been long enough. What about from your perspective? Well, as a player, we I remember the first Stanley Cup that I won in 70, we were done on May 10th because it was around Mother's Day. Yeah. The second one, which was in 72, in fact, I, got the, I wear the 72 ring, um, we were finished May 19th, again, around Mother's Day, okay? Do you think that, that, that all the postseason that they've played these last three years, because uh, it's been talked about, it's essentially an entire Not extra a couple of years season. off their career, you in my so? estimation. Uh, you can't keep going through the rigors like they have these last two or three years. Um, the, and plus with the pandemic and uh, all of that, man, I... I give these guys so much credit, honestly. All the hockey players that went through that, I give them so much credit for being able to withstand not even thinking about going out and grab a beer or something, you know? Right. Here we are getting into season 30 of the Tampa Bay Lightning franchise, which is just incredible. Wow. Uh, you know, you were there. Uh, ground level getting this franchise into the Tampa Bay area. Does it seem possible that 30 years have gone by? Chris has gone by quickly. Yeah. They really have. I remember the first time I came down here to the old Malios to meet a fellow named Henry Paul. 
His dad was Gabe Paul, who was baseball and trying to get baseball here with Frank Marsani. And um, I met Henry, Tom McEwen, a guy that owned QYK Radio, and a couple of lawyers. I forgot their names. One was Smith, but the rest of my, uh, the other guys I don't remember. And I was driving from Orlando because I was down playing golf at Grand Cypress with my buddies from New York. And, and I got a call from Henry to come down and he said he wanted to talk to me because I had already put feelers out for Florida for a hockey team. I didn't know where it was going to be. So when Henry came and I drove in and I went, where, where are the buildings? There was no building. Was that your first time to Tampa? No, I came here as a 21-year-old on my f first honeymoon. Oh, oh, wow. Nice. And I stayed, which is now the trade winds. It was a holiday okay. inn, I think, then. Yeah. <laughs> is that weird or <laughs> what? Is, yeah. <laughs> but you, so you come back here to Tampa, and you're like, where am I going to put this hockey franchise? There was only that round building. The, the beer can building. Yeah, the Sykes, the Sykes building, which it is. I don't know what it was called then, but now it's the Sykes building. I don't building. even know. I don't. I call it the beer can <laughs> it, building. It's that's fitting. it. But I it's remember more of a tall boy, saying, you know? how could this area be the 12th largest television market in the country? I didn't realize about Clearwater and Bradenton right. and even Brandon, which was not even incorporated, right. and all the rest of these places around that made it the 12th largest television market. And when, and when I got through, it was around 11 o'clock at night. I'll never forget this. Two things. One, Tom McEwen said to me, don't say Tampa. You say Tampa Bay. So at that point, when you take on this endeavor, uh, because you have worn many hats as, of course, a player, you've worked front office, you've been a coach, yep. you've, you've done Even broadcasting. Drove the Zamboni. You right drove there. the Zamboni. <laughs> you've done all aspects of this game. And in and, and this phase of life, you are now, you're, you're pitching. You're, you're trying to start something. You're trying to raise money. How bizarre was that? Did that come second nature to you, or was that something that you had to learn? That, I had to learn it. Yeah. Um, but I was smart enough to put good people around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. People that understood. Henry, that's why Scott has me on this podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's smart. Then. He's the brains. <laughs> that's smart. Uh, and Henry Paul was a definite. Then a guy named Mel Lowell, mm. who was the um, chief financial officer of the Madison Square Garden, the round building, they called it, and the Knickerbockers and the, and the Rangers. And he got fired just after I got fired. And he went to ADT and I called him, told him, I says, I'm going for an expansion team. He says, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. He says, where? I says, uh, Florida. He says, are you crazy? <laughs> I'm not going, you can't put a hockey team in Florida. It's 90 degrees. I, but we play indoors. That's I right. mean, <laughs> people up north just didn't get it. No. I really mean that. It was Henry Paul at the end of that night in uh, in, in Malios. I looked at him and I says, "You think hockey could survive in this area?" He said, "Phil, we love football. Yeah, we love boxing. We love wrestling. We love car crashes." Seems to me you got it all on Perfect hockey. Perfect fit, right? It's all on ice, yeah. And I looked at him and I says, "You with me?" 
He says, I'm with you. We shook hands, never had a piece of paper, and to this day, he's still one of my best friends in the world. Well, this is why there's a statue of him outside Amelie Arena. I no, mean, the pigeons needed somewhere to go on. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there have been some shaky times early on, especially in the franchise. What Big do you think time. was the most pivotal moment in this franchise's history to turn, to turn it from the shakiness um, to, to a steady I future? I think when uh, the boys from Detroit bought it with yeah. Ronnie Campbell heading it up, um, Ron did a magnificent job. He did. I think he still lives here, too. Okay. He still lives in, in the Bay Area. And Ronnie's one of the good guys I've, I've met in this game. I think that's when it started to turn. That's when it started to turn, and you can see the light. Because when this character, Art Williams, bought it, it was the worst, worst. These, what do they call the guys from Hollywood? Um, uh, Oren Coolis, the uh, I forget what they call him, uh, whatever they called them. They were nothing compared to this Art Williams. Yeah. Nothing. Uh. This guy, I got to tell this story. I walk into my <laughs> office one time, and Teresa Huffman, it was Teresa Payday then, was my assistant, and I, she says, you got to read the facts, because it was a facts. Right. I read, I get it, and I go. It's from Art? He says, yeah. The gazelle gets up in the morning and starts running. The lion gets up and starts chasing. If he slows down, the lion gets him and eats it. So go, go, go. Is that your motivational speech? <laughs> that was what he it sent me. I mean, this guy was a looney tune. I'll tell you right now. And he wanted to go in the dressing room every game to give them a speech. I said, you can't do that. This isn't football once a week. Especially not that gazelle speech. Yeah, everything no. was animal related with yeah. that guy. Well, uh, that was, the, for me, that was the low point of, of the franchise. I did get fired by him. Um, he asked me to stay on because I was about to take the ESPN job that Barry took, Barry mm. Melrose. Okay. And they asked me to stay. I didn't want to leave here anyway because... I love the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. I'll never leave here, never. I've been offered positions up north and stuff. Never will I leave here, never. And um, I, just, I just didn't want anything to do with this guy. And I got fired 11.30. My brother and I got fired 11.30 in the morning. At 1 o'clock, I was working for Fox Sports LA. There you go. That's a good resume, yeah. you know. I want to go back to get something you, in the placed. earlier part of the founding of the franchise, and that's the naming of the Lightning. You know, I think it's oh. – I'm biased. I think it's one of the best names in pro sports, right? It's one of those names that captures something that is a characteristic of the area, and it's just one of the coolest darn symbols, like the coolest logos you'll ever see. So, But from what I've gathered in my research, the Lightning – might not have been the name originally. You guys had a, a fan naming contest, and we kind of know how these goes. Anytime, anytime a zoo has a new animal right. and they let the public name it, yeah. it turns yeah. out to be something like Rhino McRhino Face or something like that. So, so you guys, put, you know, you put it out to the fans, and, and uh, Oceanics was one of the finalists. Oh, that would have been awful. I, I don't even know. I don't know why. That's all I know is um, I wanted a name without an S on the end. Because everyone else is like Blackhawks, Bruins. Everybody else has an S on yeah, the end. Right. It's a plural. I wanted yeah. it different. 
I wanted the uniforms to be different. I wanted this underneath. To, when a guy puts up to score a goal, you see this. The stripes. Uh, the, like, the you stripes know, the down there. stripes come out. Yeah. I wanted that. And how the Lightning got named was really, there was um, Benny Lazar, who's uh, an attorney here. Um, I think he lives down south now a little bit. Anyway, uh, we were at his house on Davis Island. It was July. And we were trying to raise money, and Benny helped bring a bunch of people together. And we were out in his patio, and and we were, you know, having a few drinks and stuff to eat and st and that and this black cloud out of nowhere formed right over the bay and Benny's mom who was probably 85 86 years old she we were going and this lightning bolt just went like this and I went holy cripe and she comes out and I think I can say this on a podcast she said you ought to name the team the lightning <laughs> and I went that's it there it is that's it so mrs lazar was the one who just it just struck the chord there was no s on the end and i fought the bolts thing yeah i did have, you, com have you come around in recent years <sighs> if i didn't I mean, you, wouldn't have a choice, right? you know, the yeah. bolt, you guys say it on, on your why, why don't you like bolts? Well, why don't you like bolts? Because if I wanted to call it the bolts, we would have called it the bolts. It ends with an S, right? Yeah. It ends in the S, and there's a, a lot of electric companies got bolts. Yeah. So it doesn't drive are. you crazy when you drive around Tampa and see these, you know, 300-foot-wide banners that say, Go Bolts? Uh, it does. <laughs> I knew it. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> They're all coming sorry. down today, baby. Uh, I know. Let's replace them. Can I ask you a little bit about your, your playing career? Because I, I think it's, it's interesting how you have, um, you know, you, you're part of three original six teams. You represent old school hockey in so many ways. And yet you have been this kind of a personal bridge into what hockey looks like now in 2022 with a team that is thriving in the state of Florida, maybe a little different brand of hockey than you played. But I want to know from your playing days, who was the, who was the toughest person to go against? Well, the toughest guy I ever fought was John Ferguson. I, I was a rookie and 20, I just turned 21 and I didn't know he was a tough guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's the most dangerous one. Oh, so. well, yeah, and I got into it with him, and holy crap, I was begging for a left hand for crying out loud. <laughs> he was hitting me with so many rights. And uh, funny, we got to be real good friends later on in life, real good friends. And, um, but the toughest guy to play against as a center position was Henry Richard. Mm. He was small, yeah. but he was fast. And he had leverage when he was on the face-off because he was small. And he got down, real down low. And it was hard for her to do that to get the puck. Now, there were times in the early, well, in the 60s when I played from 63 to 67 with the Blackhawks that other centermen would do some nasty things like they wouldn't even try for the puck. They'd just go up right in, be in the groin area, you mm -hmm. know? 
and so next face off you're sort of yeah. well, is he yeah. going to do that you know what I mean but a little gun shy. those were uh, the kind of that's the way the game was played back then and of course we didn't wear helmets or anything and and um, I just learned how to deal with that if a guy tried to do that then I whacked him across the ankles as hard as I could well, if you know, I broke it, I broke it. But in, he in, was trying to castrate me. So. Exactly. Wow. In, in a lot of sports, you have, like, those of the present, the kind of the modern era, because of all the training and it's a year-round sport. And yeah, they're, we they're never competent. trained. But they, they sometimes look back. I know in football, it's like, well, the, the average NFL player now would have exceeded back then. Baseball everybody trains year round the the physique of babe ruth is not going to make it in today's game but would the same be said for hockey in your opinion you know why babe ruth couldn't make it in today's game because they wouldn't give him a chance because of that's the way he looked true. Yeah. that's that is probably but i'll true. bet you any money if they let him have a chance <laughs> he'd still hit the damn ball out of the park yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and there is the problem if you don't look the part i mean there's a, a, there's a kid that has gone to this school to play hockey. It's a prep school. Mm. And they worked the craziness out of these kids. If, if I did that, I would have got sick of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they do the same thing in football. Do you know we weren't allowed to drink water on the bench? That's wild. Wow. That's wild. I mean, we weren't. They said, oh, it'll cramp you up. So... You take those salt pills, yeah. uh, oh my and at the end of the game, you'd lose eight How'd you to play 10 18 pounds? years with this? That's... I, I, because I, I had a little plumpness to me. <laughs> <laughs> had some reserves, huh? Yeah, yeah. you needed it. Oh, yeah. A funny story, a guy named Barry Beck got traded from the Colorado Avalanche, or it wasn't the Avalanche, and the Colorado Rockies, to the Rangers. They put him beside me. I'm 38, going into 39 years old. And he's like 21, 22. He was a first pick overall. He was built. Oh, my God. I, I built. He comes in. He introduced him. We talk. And he says, will you help me? I says, sure. What, what do you need? He said, hold my feet. I want to do some sit-ups. <laughs> so I held his feet on the bench. And he did 150 so fast. <laughs> and then he says. You're like, uh, now do a real one. Yeah. <laughs> so then he said to me, uh, do you want me to help you? I says, do what? He says, don't you do sit-ups? I said, hell no. I, Holding why? your feet down was workout he enough. Said, I, I'll never forget this. He said, you don't do anything? He said, I don't understand. I said, listen, Barry, when they spear me, they got to go through an inch and a half to two inches of fat <laughs> to get it. the muscle. When they spear you, it goes right to muscle. Yeah, yeah. I played all 80 games that year, 80, yeah, 80 games that year. Barry only played 28 pulled his shoulder muscle, pulled his legs muscles. Too many muscles. I think yeah. that's strategic I, I, I fat really <laughs> believe there should be a little bit with basketball players and hockey players should have long, lean muscles. That's what I believe, yeah. not mm-hmm. bulk. Yeah. Football players, maybe even baseball players could have bulk, but I'm not sure hockey players should have bulk. You started the TB12 thing long before TB12. That was that's kind of the philosophy, right? The, is the long it, muscles, the flexibility. Yeah, flexibility. Yeah, which we never practiced. And the truth is, in today's game, speed is of the essence. Yeah. In our game, you couldn't go fast because guys would be holding you, hooking you, 
whatever they could do. One guy had no palm in his glove. So when you stand in front of the net, he just put his glove over top and, grip. and grabbed the stick. Well, Referees didn't <laughs> see right, it. No. <laughs> Shenanigans. Cracking ankles with sticks. Goodness. And uh, I, I believe uh, you dug up some interesting research that I was unaware of, of uh, Mr. Esposito. I do. This is yep. the kind of stuff that happens when you give me an assignment. I, I look into the interwebs and I find things. So uh, I, I'm fascinated by this. How close were you to being in The Godfather? Oh, very close. Wow. I mean, really close. Set, um, set the Tony table Canigliaro for us. <laughs> yeah. and I flew out to Chicago and did the whole bit. They wanted me to play Carlo, yeah. who was married to Talia Shear. Right. Sorry, yeah. Which was, which was Connie Corleone, right? Yeah, Connie, Connie Corleone. she was Connie yeah. Corleone yeah. then. And um, they offered $5,000, and I had to be off hockey for six weeks during during those during your, one of your best seasons of your career and this that was, was your, in what 72 i think 70 or 71 71 maybe it was yeah well i i uh, thank you but no and the ironic thing is years later my wife and i bridget and i were in new york we went into this little bar that i used to frequent when i lived there and this guy was there and it's the guy that played carlo really really uh, Gian, Gianni Russo. Ah, yes. Yeah. I think he had the same suit on. <laughs> that, that he wore in the movie. He was, so do you ever think about the, I mean, now that's considered one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. You know, it, do you ever think about the residual checks you could have cashed if you had you taken been six an, an weeks off? You would have movie star. Yeah. That well, kind of launched no, a complete. No. Hey, listen, uh, I had other chances. Yeah. I had other chances. When Alan Thicke was alive, um, I had a few chances to do two or three movies. But they always seemed to be during hockey season, and there was nothing more important to me than hockey. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, you, I think you made the right choice. And, well, and plus the- God the, gave me talent, <laughs> I exploited it. You know, the Carlo Rizzi character too was not you. You're, you're, you're known for your loyalty, your integrity, your yeah, commitment. This guy, was, this guy was a backstabber. He was, uh, oh, he was yeah, not you. I beat up a woman, I, that I, I can't do. Yeah. I, my wife beats the hell out of me all the time. I don't <laughs> you did well. You did well. Uh, you got some. You got some bit roles later, like on Rescue Me Too, didn't you? I, I did Dennis Leary uh, show nine on. or ten shows with Rescue Me. De Dennis Leary and I became real good buds and still do. He's texted during the hurricane a couple of times, and and uh, he, I played uh, one time. I played the coach of the firefighters, where I had to reprimand him. And I'll never forget this scene, and I did. And he says, cut, cut. Come on, Phil. They had to talk to you worse than that. I says, you want me to tell you, I'll do it. I says, but there's going to be a few bleeps. <laughs> he says, I don't care. Give it to me. We'll edit those out. Well, I did. I gave it to him. And he, after the scene was over, he looked at me, he says, you scared the <laughs> it's because you're a lion, not a gazelle, you know, hearkening back to those, oh, uh, yeah. those inspiring words. So, I, Phil, I want to ask you about this year's team because uh, you lose some key pieces in, in McDonough and Palat, but the core is intact. Um, what do you think about this team as they, as they get ready to take on another season well, and bounce back uh, from last year? they've got the one ingredient that most other teams don't have, and that's Mr. Vassal. Right. 
Um, he's something to watch, boy. He really is. And it's time for Sergeyev to step up. And if he does, look, Ryan McDonough is a great guy and a great player for us. But the cap, the way the cap is nowadays, that wasn't before. And really, if there wasn't a cap, teams like us wouldn't have been able to survive. Really wouldn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because Boston's, the Toronto's, uh, they would have paid. I remember that first year, my whole budget was six million dollars. Mm. The Rangers was 70. Wow. Now, how do you compete? Can, you can't, right? The cap, oh. you got to have the cap, right? Yeah. You got to have yeah. the cap. What, what, what player other than Vasilevsky is most critical to the Lightning success this year? Cooch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> every time I see him, though, it's like he, every time I look, see him, I'll pass by in the locker room or while walking out to the car or something. He sees me and he gets this little grin. And he doesn't <laughs> say much, you know, he really doesn't. And I say, when are you going to shoot the puck? <laughs> <laughs> Does he respond? <laughs> he just goes. <laughs> yeah. That's him. Right. Uh, you know, because I told him, I said, look, there's one record of mine that still stands and probably will stand. Shots on goal. Yeah. Yeah. 550. Good. You were firing away down there. Well, if you don't put the puck on the net, how the hell are you going to score? Has, has the Lightning Marketing Department created a, a shoot the puck t-shirt yet? No. They I need don't to. should have, have you up. up in the booth yelling. I can't yeah. help it. When they're in that... Top of the face-off circles, the circles, to the dot, to the net is like a funnel. Yeah. You get there, prime location to shoot. Why somebody That's... would give up that beautiful opportunity. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the goaltenders are so much bigger now. The equipment is incredibly big, incredibly. My brother's goal pads at the end of the game would weigh 40, 50 pounds oh, sure. because they had cotton and it was soaking wet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and kangaroo leather, okay? Oh, boy. Nowadays, those things are so light. No wonder they move them around like, they can like move so fast. anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and to tell you the truth, the game today, I'm not a big fan of. Because if the game was meant to be played this fast, the rink would have been 250 feet long. Hmm by 100 feet wide, not 200 by 85 from the beginning. Because there was always that little interference to slow a guy down. You're telling me Bobby Hill couldn't skate in today's day, or Bobby Orr, or Yvonne Cornoyer, or Guy Lafleur, or, or Mike Bossy. Come on, they can all play in this era with speed. Yeah. If nobody's touching them, Yeah. Whew. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Wow. I love you mentioned shoot the puck. I just love listening to you and Dave on the call because I think you, as the color commentator, you are speaking what the fans are thinking. Like it would be Chris, you and me sitting beside each other at the game. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'd be gone. You have, you get guy. so frustrated. <laughs> it, it, and when they're sloppy, when they're not passing well, you you can just feel it coming through the radio and the microphone. Like you just get so fed up there. And I got to ask though what you do with Dave when he's about to unleash his uh, his <laughs> goal. Like, like, uh, I I think he's yeah, cha he's channeling like a, a Mexican soccer announcer, right? And he's you know he's going to explode. Like do you remove the headsets and sit back? No, do you cringe? Do you I think I'm going to wear hearing aids though. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell you the truth. Dave Mishkin follows the game as well as anybody. I worked with Jim Gordon, who was Sam Rosen, and uh, Timmy Ryan, and Dan Kelly, and all these guys. I worked with them all, but nobody, nobody followed the game like Dave does, and he's right on top of it. He really is good at it, yeah. really good. Um, I, when the first game, when we scored and he screamed, he did scare the hell out of me. I went, Whoa. You all right? Where'd that come from? Then Can I did tell him after the game, you know paramedic? what we should do? We should get an alarm clock where you yelling score. If anybody can sleep through that, that would be a miracle. Another good marketing idea for, for the Lightning. The Dave Michigan alarm clock. That'll get you up, baby. That'll, that, you won't hit snooze on that. You we, don't want to hear it go off again. Well, we are, uh, we're ready for another big season, yeah. kicking off the yeah. 30th year of the Lightning. And, Unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's all credit to, to the man right between us, Phil Esposito. The godfather, Thank you so much. godfather of the Lightning. Yeah. Yes, he is. You were, you were yeah. destined to be the godfather one way or the other. So. Well, in New York. I play with Donnie Maloney and Donnie Murdoch. They call us the Godfather line. Two Dons and a Godfather. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Meant to That's be. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your yeah. time. We're looking thank for this you. season kicking off here next week. And we won't say go Bolts. We'll no. Say. No, you can say it. <laughs> I, I just... It just bugs me a little bit, but that's all right. We don't want to do that. I've but... taken a lot of that. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. This has been fun. The great Phil Esposito. The man has some stories. The great Phil Esposito, always great to catch up with him. He's fun on the call, and uh, he's got a lifetime's worth of stories that um, that are just uh, – you could sit around the campfire with Phil. That was incredible. Not all of it will fit into this show. <laughs> we'll have to do some excerpts sometimes. <laughs> Enough to fill up about four shows. All right, let's bring BK back in. I, BK, I know you love some of uh, what Phil had to say in that interview. but um, Great guy. Yeah, great guy. He's, he's great. He came in. Most people will only give us their Zoom calls, and yet he wanted to be here – in person, and I appreciate that. All right, so uh, you, you mentioned off the top of the show that there is um, there's a Hall of Fame. Yes, and that's all we know that we'd be intrigued by. It's uh, in Rochester, New York. It's mm. the Toy Hall of Fame. There's a Hall of Fame oh. for toys. Well, there that, should yeah, be. Yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah. You I've have? heard of this. Well, yeah. right now they're doing. They, they've just put out their finalist list for the class of 2022. And would you like to hear some of these? Please. It's a group of 12. These are finalists. These are finalists. So a group of 12, and of this group, they're going to pick out three. I'm going to run through Only these. Only three of 12. Yeah, three of 12. Okay. So it's like the NFL okay. selection show. First off, and these are all in alphabetical order, bingo. Bingo. Okay. All right. Is that a, is that a toy? That's a game, I guess. Some of these are games, mm, you know. Okay. Right. Second, briar horses. I've never heard of, but I think they're little plastic horse plastic things. Plastic horses. <laughs> Another one is Catan. It's a, like oh. The, oh, the Settlers yeah, in Catan? Yeah, the Settlers. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of never, it. Never played it. I've heard of it. Uh, Lightbright, we've all heard oh, of. Oh, I love Lightbright. That's good. How, how's yeah. that not in the Hall of Fame already? No, it's a, yeah. It's a staple in the 80s. Nerf Ball. Should yeah. already be in the Hall of Should Fame. Should be. I know. I bet this is just because it's squishy, right? Uh, I guess so. Because Nerf, I mean, the brand Nerf is, you got Nerf guns, you got all kinds of 
if the, if Nerf is able to kind of divest and have all these different subcategories, yeah, then there's going to be a ton of of Nerf Nerf in entries. Yeah, yeah. All well, right. it, was, it could be Nerf toys, I guess, in general. Masters of the Universe. Don't yes. Know. So He Man. Oh, love He-Man. it. Yeah, yeah. By the power of Grayskull. By the power of Grayskull. My, my mother would not let me watch that show. Well, Skeletor was scary. It was scary. a little dark, yeah. yeah but, yeah. oh my goodness, that was awesome. Cringer would turn into Battle Cat. Yeah, let's get that inducted. Okay. <laughs> a game I've never heard of, Phase 10. I've heard uh, of Phase 10. Really? I don't I don't know if I've ever played it. No. But if it's a Hall of Fame finalist, then maybe I bring that out the next yeah, uh, game night. Pound of Puppies. Uh, okay. Pound so puppies. Remember those? Have. Yeah, those were yeah. big in the 80s. My wife says she was a big pound puppy fanatic. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a game I've never heard of, but maybe one I'd be interested in. Racco. Racco. That sounds violent. What? <laughs> what happens in Racco? I don't know. <laughs> Stacy Racco. I just want to make sure you will win that game. I don't think play some Racco. That sounded like what Phil Esposito was talking about. <laughs> I don't think that one's going to make the cut. Real quick, the final right. three. Spirograph, we've all heard of. Mm -hmm. The Piñata. Come yeah. On. Pinata, that's a toy. And the top. Pinata's not a toy. Okay. All right. The top. So I, that group, which, which, who's your three, real quick? Uh, uh, Pinata's in there. Okay. Really? Why? Yes, every birthday party is better with a pinata. But, but pinata is, is useless without stick. Wait, Sticks already that. in the Hall of Sticks Fame. Sticks in the Hall of Fame. Sticks uh -huh. then. Well, they should have been inducted together. Yeah, it's like Montana and Rice. <laughs> How okay. is, wait a minute. Stick <laughs> is in the Hall of Fame. Sticks Stick in the Hall of Fame. fame. It's got to be in the first 2008. Class. 2008. Okay. Yeah. Like just a, a classic just a, year. Just oh, a random stick? That was a classic a year in the Toy Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, last year, top sand. Sand made the Hall of sand. Fame. Yeah. Yeah. So, Underrated. Essential. Got a Hall of Fame out in Clearwater. Top's in. Top's got to be in. Top's not fun. But it's it's stood the test of time. It is the you know it's, yeah the longevity the well, longevity issue. Um, I, I got light bright in there. Yeah, that's it. I got I got to have Masters of the Universe. That's uh, gotta go. Yeah. No, but Nerf ball, Nerf. That's gotta be it. Yeah, yeah let's give give me Nerf ball. But is I need to know if Nerf gun is in because if Nerf is doing this, I, I'm really not happy about that they're them trying, trying to, to submit multiple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Well, well, on technicality. Well, yeah. check with the. Uh, the board up there with the when's toy the Hall when's of fame. the final vote it comes out in november so they're they meeting get a, right now i hope we get to watch is it is there a little There's gold time. jacket for the top <laughs> there needs to be yeah it no. needs to be something an induction know. speech there's an actual museum of these things so that's pretty, yeah. pretty did cool. you have a favorite go-to toy when you were a kid oh it was gi joe i loved he-man too gi joe's got yeah. to already be in right? gi joe is one of the early early ones early. see these yeah. people have sense what about you uh lincoln logs Lincoln Logs I was very. I basically played with sticks. You, you are the one who nominated I, stick. I, I played with sticks and I ate dirt. <laughs> was dirt? Is dirt in there? Dirt's not in there. Oh, Blanket. Well, next Blanket's year. in there. Yeah. Bag so, of broken glass. That's not, not in there. I yeah. didn't make the well, the, the stinky blanket is a staple <laughs> for most kids. You know, <laughs> or adults in some cases. <laughs> you yeah. still have a stinky blanket at your desk, don't yeah, you? I do. I am, yeah. I'm going to go to it now and cry his, into it. That's his nickname. Chris Stinky Blanket, Stinky Blanket Kato. Well, that was good. I can't <laughs> right. wait to see who makes it. Maybe you'll update us we'll here update in a you, couple yes. weeks. Very good. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, BK. Thanks. Hey, fun show. Again, we reminded you off the top, but if you would like to get involved both physically or financially uh, to those communities that have been most affected by Hurricane Ian, we invite you to check out uh, the state um, – it's the it, State it, Disaster it's Relief the state Fund. Mm -hmm. Disaster Relief Fund at volunteerflorida.org. Um, and if you'd like to watch the full-length podcast, you are also welcome to watch fox13news.com slash nodpod. Hit the QR code that's on the screen as we speak. Subscribe where all podcasts are available. And, of course, you can find the show on all the socials as well. And for Chris Cato, for BK in the booth, 
for myself. My name's Scott. Stinky blanket. <laughs> Until the next time we're on, there are no off days. And don't say go bolts. <laughs> That's right. He might come after you.